0: Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest-growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry-leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Tenants not changing their air filters? Costly HVAC repairs and unhappy owners got you down? Filter Easy is a subscription air filter delivery service that solves this problem by shipping
1: filters directly to the tenant's front door when it's time to change. Tenants actually change them, which reduces HVAC-related maintenance calls by an average of
0: 30%. Filter Easy's no-cost use solution functions as a profit center to give you back time and money. Call 1-800-308-1186 today to learn more. Need a repair at 2 a.m.? Easy does it. Easy Repair coordinates maintenance and nothing else and takes after-hour maintenance calls for property managers working with your property management software so you can see exactly what Easy is doing without leaving your own software. From Las Vegas, Nevada, our full-time maintenance coordinators will dispatch your work orders with vendors from our Growing Repair Vendor Network, where available, or we'll use your vendors. Give us a call at 800-488-6032, or visit our website, LLC.com. Welcome to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind
1: Podcast. I'm glad to have you on. So in today's event, what we want to talk with you about is we want to get some of your background. We want to talk about COVID-19. We want to talk about current practices going on. We want to talk about work from home issues. We got policies and procedures that we're going to be talking about. That's going to be transitioning in the future. We are in a time of change. And I really appreciate what you've been doing, putting out good information to the property management industry. And so I'm glad to have you on today. Let's back up a little bit and kind of give us some the five W's of who Tony Klein is. Sure.
2: Yeah, so uh, Tony Klein, Home Vault Property Management, run our office here in Denver, Colorado. I am uh, an ultra runner, do some long distance running, 50 and 100 mile runs. I'm a commissioner for the Arvada Urban Renewal Authority, and uh, we may get into that in a little bit. But um, I'm really passionate about focusing on the long term and not necessarily getting mired down in some of the the, uh, short term Crisis is the, that we face or crises. So.
1: so, there's an interesting thing we were talking about in pre show. Um, let's talk about the current COVID status right now. I mean, right now, here we are on April 9th, 2020. Uh, everyone's scrambling to finish up or get these completed loans going. That creates a, an, an opportunity for property and company owners that we've never seen before. And so, we're dealing with tenants paying rent. I mean, that's the most immediate smack in the face thing going on right now uh, tenants paying rent. And so uh, we at RentWorks, we're experiencing roughly a 95% uh, delinquency, 5% delinquency, 95% paid. So it's not the end of the world yet, and that's a good thing. However, we're always very nervous about next month in May. So to kind of give us some, you know, update on what's going on in your world, where are you guys at on the rent collection side in in HomeVault?
2: So we are actually at 100% rent collection for the month. Now, we still have a couple that are, you know, we, they were paid electronically through property so we're waiting to make sure that those funds actually clear. But right now, we have 100% payment.
1: That's excellent. Great for you on that side. That probably relieves a lot of distress from the owners. And, you know, the tenants also, you know, they're starting to learn out there that this is not a sort of like a, a rent strike deal. This rent is not forgiven. It's, it's, there might be some opportunities there to uh, work with you on the rent payments, but at the end of the day, you sign the lease agreement and everything's due because the owner has the same obligations between property taxes, mortgages, etc. So that's good to hear. The other side is hoping, uh, hoping no one gets sick on your team, of course, and your family. Best wishes there. The other side of that is now this has forced a lot of property management companies to start working from home. It really kicked us in the face at RentWorks because, you know, we have an office space. We go there every day. We have a bullpen where the portfolio managers work. And now all of a sudden, we're forced by the county, by the, the, you know, the local jurisdiction to say, y'all go home, right? (laughs) Y'all got to go home and work. And so it kind of forced us into figuring out some best practices. You know, you and I were talking, you're way ahead of this curve. You you have some experience in SRA. So give us some background on that.
2: Yeah. So um, I bought an office, I don't know, it's been about 17 years ago, I bought my physical location. And then about uh, three years ago, we just realized that there was really no reason for us to have it. At the largest we were, we had 11 staff members, and we just realized that people weren't coming into downtown. Now, part of the reason that we made the switch is our office was in downtown Denver, parking was getting more difficult, and people were able to do everything they needed to do from somewhere else without having to come and physically sit in the office. You didn't have to sit there and wait for a fax to come in like you did 20 years ago, right? So, it, it made sense for us to actually sell that location. We have to have an, a storefront or an office front for the real estate commission. So, we have a little a space that we rent uh, from a WeWorks location. But everybody works from home and all of our policies and procedures account for that. And so, when this hit, I'm not saying that I predicted
1: it, but we were prepared for it. So, that's really what I want to dive into because as we talk about best practices, policies and procedures, you've done this out of well, you did it a long time ago and you've been going through it now for some time. I mean, I've talked with others like Mike Nelson who attempted to transition to a work from home scenario and there was KPIs and all this, you know, risk and reward stuff that his team members had. And in the end of the day, what they were finding was people were more productive in the office. Okay. I've heard this several times. I've heard IBM doing big things where they're trying to get people to work uh, from home and they try all kinds of techniques and it just, it doesn't work. So what we're, we're going to have to potentially figure out is a method to get to a point where we get satisfactory and good work out of our teammates, team members from a home location. Um, it's, it's, is it an 80-20 rule? Do we expect 80% of their, of their productivity from uh, a work-at-home location? But they're safe, they work from home, they potentially can get things done at their own pace, they have a happier work environment. Uh, really kind of some challenges here. Now, you've gone all through this, and i talked a lot about that, we were forced into it. So it's kind of like, oh crap, we gotta figure it all out. Now you, you've done it and transition under, you know, normal life circumstances. Kind of spend some time on that and talk through how you challenge, got through the challenge of working from home, hiring, firing, supervision. I mean, all that stuff, you spent some time sure. on
2: this. Yeah, so, so Brad, you know my history and my background about uh, my illness and when I got sick, but I know a lot of the listeners might not. So I'm gonna touch on that just for a second. But when I first started my company, or when I first bought my company and, and I started running it, um, and this was back in 2000, I was a really big control freak. Like I, we had kind of an open office floor mat, even though you still had your own cubicle, there were open air, there was no doors, that kind of thing. And so uh, I, I would listen to conversations and I would go around the corner and say, well, who were you talking to? What, what were you saying? And why did you say it that way? And you should have said it better this way. And I'd be able to just shout across the room to our accounting department to ask a question. And I had to touch everything. And then when I got sick, I was out of the office for about six or eight months. And this was back in 2006. More, you know, I was still going into the office, but realistically I was out of the office more than I was in during that time. And so laying in bed, being sick, you had to figure out how am I gonna run this company without having to do everything? And turns out I didn't have to do anything or everything. I was just in the way of almost everything because I had set good proper expectations with my staff we had good measurables. And once I removed myself from getting in the way, they were actually more productive. And so that transitions into when we actually, so it became a game. It was like, how can I continue to get more and more done with me personally doing less and less? What, what can I step away from? So when we moved to our work from home situation, it was actually the same thing. And, and I actually have staff members, I know you said that IBM has done these studies and these sort of things. But from my personal experience, there were certain people on my staff like our accounting department, our maintenance coordinator, like they became more productive because they didn't have people stopping in to bug them all the time and ask them questions. They could actually get work done and they could do it on their schedule. Uh, I'd have people starting and sending me emails at seven in the morning as opposed to when they would normally start just because they were able to access their work. Now, they may take a two-hour break during the middle of the day but I don't really care. I don't judge on how, how long you've been keeping your butt in the seat. I, I wanna judge your performance based on how well you performed overall.
1: Couple of key points here. Let's, let's talk about this deep on this subject because we touched on it on the surface, but let's dig into it. So let's talk technology and let's talk key performance indicators. So let me try to lead this off. So everyone's like, you know, the Zoom thing, is the Zoom phenomenon, right? I read an article this morning how the the CEO of Zoom can't sleep at night because he's so worried about the servers gonna crash. I mean, everybody's using it. School yeah. districts, work from home, you name it. Everybody's getting into the Zoom phenomena, and it's a it's, it's that's the best practice for everybody to consider is using that and or other similar platforms. I know there's probably some out there. What is there? The go to meeting. I mean, name some of them that I may not. have – really use? I mean, do you have any others that you recommend? Yeah, well,
2: I mean, obviously there's Skype, there's GoToMeeting, there's Zoom, there's RingCentral, which is based off of the Zoom platform. Um, I think WebEx is, is now GoToMeeting. Okay. But one of the things I really want to point out with this video conferencing thing is two years ago at a national conference, I put on a, a presentation about doing video and getting out in front and using just using video in your business. And a lot of the feedback that I got before that class and even after we'd have people come up and talk to me was that people would say, well, I don't like the way I look on video. Or I don't like the way I look on camera. And the key point to that is I hate to break it to you, but that's the way you look. Like you're the only one that thinks you look 10 years younger or 10 pounds lighter. Like that's in your mind. In reality, when you're on camera, you look the exact same way that you do when somebody's looking at you face to face. So if you just realize that, you get over all of that, and you just say, hey, I'm, you and I are talking through Zoom here, but we might as well be standing face to face. I mean, this is what I look, that's what you look.
1: I'd like like to apologize to the audience now, as I've been told I have a facial radio, and uh, (laughs) I just want to get that out there now. It's an official apology to all of you watching. Uh, The other side of that is on the Zoom side, right, or the, the video conferencing side. One thing that we've done, and maybe you've heard of this or seen this, but All of our remote employees that we have uh, that work from remote locations, typically in Mexico, we we work with a lot of them there. We have an all-day Zoom call. So it's an all-day Zoom call. They they tie in at 9 in the morning and they punch out at 5 in the afternoon, whatever your your office hours are. And the way that works is everybody goes on mute. If they need something, they call. They pick up the little phone that's next to their desk, which is a VOIP phone over the Internet and they call and ask questions, and then they go back to work. So I don't know if that's the best practice. I don't know, okay? There's other methods, and this is what you and I wanna talk about. What have you seen or heard that's out there?
2: Well, one of the things that, that I've been working on, I haven't figured this out, so hopefully somebody in the audience will be able to, to chime in or, or comment on this, but we, we didn't touch on best practices yet, but one of the things that we'll talk about is best practices in communication. And we were fortunate enough to be proactive with our communication. And, and I know there were some discussions with, uh, you know, when a crisis happens, are you proactive or reactive with that? We were proactive with our messaging. And so we set the stage that April was, had the potential to be scary, but we were going to work really hard. We talked about all the policies we were changing, all the procedures we were changing to, to protect our landlords. We sent out the same messaging to the tenants that these are the things we're doing to keep you and your family safe and healthy. We didn't touch on rent being due on the first. Like everybody knows that rent's due on the first. You don't have to tell them. That's just adding stress to it. So we communicated a different message. And in part of that messaging, one of the things that we were working on pre-COVID was that I really think that very soon most websites are going to have a tab, and we've just been calling it front desk. And when you need something, it's like going to the front desk of a hotel. People are expecting concierge service. So you click front desk, video pops up, and you're talking to a person. You want to submit a maintenance request. We're not forcing them to go into Property Meld or Property Wear or Appfolio or whatever your system is. That person is taking your request right there. I think expectation levels from our clients and our tenants are going to be changing so drastically, and even more so now that people are used to this video or becoming used to it through, through uh, our current crisis, that that is going to become an expectation. So I haven't figured out the implementation, but it's coming.
1: I love it, I absolutely love it. Uh, my mind is spinning on that one because it's called Front Desk. So yeah. essentially you're saying that someone someday, this is all gonna happen to potentially a lot of us, is there gonna be a button on our website, just like where you're walking through a virtual door into an office space. Uh, you know, EXP did some stuff like this. They've got some virtual platform stuff and their real estate platform, but it's very, very cumbersome. I can imagine a video pop up and somebody is, you know, they turn to the video and say, yes, how can I help you, Tony? You know, yep. thanks for popping in. And you could make them enter in a name and a phone number, let's say, or an email or something so they could video communicate to somebody yep. in that front desk and get those issues solved. Like, hey, I submitted a work order request a day ago, just wanted to follow up, you know, what's going on. Okay, Mr. Klein, thank you for popping in. Let me go find out the work order request. I'll get back with you here you know, in a few minutes or have your PM call you or whatever. Right. Now, right. I'm not really talking, cool about,
2: I'm not talking about the SEO component of a website. I know there's a lot of technical stuff that goes on beyond that, but I actually see websites becoming simpler and simpler to where you're not forcing people to go and look what they're looking for. You're going to have a, somebody that can be on that, that video screen with them and just talk them through where it's at, or send them a link through their chat, or whatever that pulls that up. So I, I really think it's gonna be like going into the front desk of any store, any hotel, anything like that, and asking for what you need, and they just help you get there.
1: Yeah, I think that's some of the stuff we're seeing in the AI world, the artificial intelligence with the bots, you know, on the chat box, so we're starting to see that, but yeah. it's, it's, you know, who knows how, how much is that gonna get developed, and then who knows how many people can actually implement that, but it is coming, and I love that technology. No. Uh, the other side of that is, you know, back to the video messaging. So I've been, you know, banging this drum for a while. You've probably heard me talk about it. We, we use bomb bomb quite a bit. And so we tend to send out video messages. Uh, I don't mean to say tend. I mean, we force our team to send out at least five per day per team member that are forward facing. So the portfolio managers, the leasing coordinators, uh, the maintenance coordinators, they send out at least five bomb bombs per day. And what we see is the result of that in fewer complaints, higher, re- higher rewards, uh, makes people more endearing. I mean, there's an endless number of benefits, and that platform is not expensive, but that's a push communication, okay? And so what we're going to see, like what you talked about, is more of an interactive communication. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree that the push pushing that communication out anytime you're delivering good news or bad news you know, it's better to, that it comes from a person than from a cold email address or from a company, right? We, we need to make these personal relationships with our landlords and frankly, with our tenants too. And what it does is it makes it more sticky. People will forgive a person if you're sending the, midi, the, the message through video. So I definitely think that's great, but it's almost like sending an email. You can't read their, their responses real time. So somebody, you send somebody a message, and you just hope that they they understand it with the intention that you're delivering it. But with the two way video, um, I think that's you're going to see more and more of that, especially with um, with this whole work at home or stay at home orders. It's forcing people to get out of their comfort zone and start using video, and it's it's changing habits for people, and this will, this will become the norm at least more, it may not be the norm where people don't ever go back into an office anymore, but this is going to be a lot more acceptable popping up a video chat and talking with somebody than it was two months ago.
1: Yeah, I can see that coming around a little bit more, especially on a website, uh, you know, almost like a FaceTime deal. So if you, were and I, if you and I were to FaceTime, we're going to be on a mobile devices and we hit FaceTime and then boop, it pops up and you can talkie, talkie, talkie and, and do that and, and communicate with the person on the other side. Uh, and through a website where you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people it might be a little cumbersome and i can imagine just imagine the the spam that comes through i mean ugh, it's coming though you know it, it. it goes back to my technology uh prediction is that we're going to have facial recognition through doorbell cameras to allow for unaccompanied vacant home showings that's that's my future prediction you know maybe i should go bring it to market i don't know but imagine the ring cameras you know they go into the front sure. of the door And imagine people want to do self-assisted unaccompanied showings. Well, all they have to do is send in on the driver's license. The facial recognition takes the driver's license. And then now they're magically at the front door of the home. That facial recognition software going through the front door camera says, yes, that is the person from the license Unlock, And the the door unlocks and it lets him in. And maybe that's, you know, 10 years away, maybe it's never going to be materialized. But you look at, you know, I always take the example of you look at what happened with big screen. Like, remember 20 years ago when you bought a big screen? It was $5,000, and it sucked. Yeah. Well, now you can get 80-inch TVs for, you know, 1500 bucks. I mean, just sure. stupid cheap. So I think that's what we're going to see eventually with this camera and this facial recognition technology. Uh, so I want to switch gears and we'll talk back a little bit more about the key performance indicators on the work-from-home scenario. Uh, you know, I mentioned the bomb bomb thing with five per day. Have you been able to develop any key performance indicators on a work from home scenario for your team? I'm
2: trying to think if there's anything specific about the, the work from home aspect that was different than the work from the office aspect.
1: The well, let, me, let me interrupt you then. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you on this. Let me, okay. let me volunteer what I would know. Okay. Uh, there's There's things out there that people are doing. There's login systems you can get through payroll providers. So they come in and log in. Okay, I'm here at my computer. Typey, typey, typey. And then they log out when they're done. Uh, there's also keystroke uh, software out there. They measure keystrokes. Uh, there's that Zoom technology I talked about. There's the bomb bombs, five a day I'm talking about. But there's other key performance indicators that are uh, kind of on the surface, but maybe below the surface. You know, matter of if there's a number of complaints against them, uh, if they're getting all their stuff done on time, you know, their turnovers, they're responding to emails. I mean, you might have to big brother people to see if they're responding to emails uh, so it's, it's not as clear as it would as you would think it would be the biggest one the most obvious one is complaints, right if you're not getting complaints you talked about that one person doing maintenance coordination well if they're logging in at 7 in the morning and they're getting all their stuff done who cares right Right. you know they're getting the stuff if they're not getting the stuff done guess is going to let you know they're not getting the stuff done it's going to be the tenants and the owners sure and so we hate to be reactive right you and I hate to be reactive like that but you know in that regard you know, what else can we do? What are your thoughts on the whole, you know, supervision of an employee in that regard?
2: Well, I think that people, and this is just my, um, my opinion, but I think people are making a, a bigger deal about the follow-up with your tenants or the accountability, sorry, your accountability with your employees when you switch to working from home. Like if you have a good employee that, that's working in an office, they're not suddenly going to become a bad employee working from home. So it's the new employees that I could see that there needs to be some measurables on that might be different than if they were sitting in the office, but from my standpoint, all of the KPIs that you have with them sitting in a desk right next to you are still the same KPIs that would apply with them working from home. So um, I know it's a big, scary transition for people like you that have a, a big office, that have a, a ton of employees, but as we've talked about in the past, a lot of your employees aren't actually sitting next to you anyways. So, you know, a lot of them are, are remote and I, I really don't like the, team, the term uh, virtual assistant. I think it actually degrades the, the type of quality people that you get. Uh, they're just a remote team member. And if they're not sitting at the same desk as you are, every single team member that you have is a remote team member if they're in a desk around, around the, the hall and down the way, they're a remote team member. They're doing their work and you're not sitting there looking over their shoulder. So,
1: yeah.
2: so I, I just do a recent it's a big deal transitioning from home.
1: No, I think you're right. And here's why I think uh, I listened to an audio book a while ago. There's a very good quote in there that talked about the key people in the right seats, the, the key team members don't need to be supervised, don't need to be motivated and don't need to be disciplined. Right. right? There's, I don't like, you know, there's something I don't like about it. I don't like the negatives. But honestly, if you never have to supervise, you don't have to discipline somebody and they don't have to motivate them, they are the right people. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't see, I, I think we're in the business of, of working with professionals in our industry, right? These are, these are not uh, the lowest paid employee dish diggers that are working in property management. These are pretty intelligent folks at all levels, from maintenance yeah. to the simplest job you can think of they're, they're all high, high quality, smart people. And so uh, we have to rely on them doing the right thing without constant supervision. So it's a mind shift. That's where I'm trying to make a point. Right. The mind shift might be internal mm-hmm. versus putting KPIs on certain people. Food for thought. Yep.
0: With Brent bridges, property management, marketing, and workflow automation tools, take your business to the next step Reduce overhead costs by up to 60%. Eliminate human error through automation. Make all your processes consistent and predictable. Have transparency and control through detailed and sophisticated reporting. For property managers that want to work smarter, not harder, RentBridge. Call us 972-805-8535 or visit rentbridgegroup.com.
1: Let's transition real quick. Let's talk about uh, some of the future technology that we see coming into fold and future policies and procedures, because what we're going through now is we're going through the biggest thing that's ever happened in our lifetimes. I mean, this this coronavirus, COVID shutdown uh, is absolutely uh, scary. And I do not think we'll ever see anything like this again. I hope not. But it's, it's just something that we're not prepared for. So we could spend all day talking about emergency preparedness, but I think we're all kind of past that point and we're all looking at survival for the next 30, 60, 90 days, 120 days, however long this thing is gonna, gonna last. And so in going through that, you know, what are some of the policies and procedures that you may have adopted or changed to to account for anything in the future? Let's talk through some of this stuff.
2: Yeah. So let me let me start just one step before that. So Before uh, COVID happened, uh, myself and a few other uh, business partners, we were working on this project called uh, 36 Months to Extinction. And basically, it's based on Moore's Law. And Moore's Law basically says that every 18 months, the amount of technology or processing power that will fit on a computer chip doubles every 18 months. And it has since the mid-1960s it's held true. Now they're getting to the point where they say it may no longer be true applied to technology because of the amount of technology that fits on a silica chip. But anyway, that, that's kind of getting in the weeds. The, the point of it is, if you're currently running a business at 100% capacity, you're doing everything right, in 18 months, the, the opportunities, the technology, the legal framework we work within is going to double. And so you're at 100% now, 18 months from now you're going to be able to have the capacity to actually run at 200% current capacity, but that 200% becomes the norm. And then another 18 month cycle of that actually becomes 400% of the norm of today's norm. So the reason I'm throwing that out there is we are not looking at what we need to do today to stay relevant. We're looking at what do we need to do 36 months from now to not only be relevant, but to be dominant. And and this change that we're going through right now, is, it's never going to, to end, it's never gonna slow down. We are going to be in a constant state of change. Now, we won't be in a state of change because of COVID, but the rate of technology change and improvement is improving so fast that it's now surpassed the, the human brain's capacity to be comfortable with it. So we really need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. So now with all of that said, I'm going to answer your question about the technology. The technology is basically anything that you can imagine, I, I would put money on that somebody's already working on. The doorbell thing that you talked about, to be able to walk up to a door and provide access. The, I, I would assume that that technology already exists. They're working on how to make it profitable and how to fund it. So, you know, as, as far as the website thing I already talked about with the video on that, the uh, self showings you know self showings five or six years ago, people were like, "Well, how could you possibly do self showings because people are going to steal all your copper and you know move into the property and and now they're they're going to squat and now it's kind of like if if you're still doing manual showings you're putting your or uh, assisted showings you're putting your staff at risk, uh, not just from the virus thing but health wise um, so that becomes the norm. And so we're looking at every single thing that we're doing in the business and figuring out how to make it better. We're actually trying to go right now to a contactless move in from the, from the time they apply to the time that they qualify to the time that they move in and pay their first month's rent and deposit. And then at that point, um, they're moved in and nobody from the team has met with them.
1: Tony, you're not doing this yet. We've been doing this for years, brother. Let me show you how. So- you know, we've been doing this for a long time, and I'm glad you've come to that point. So you can apply online. You can pay your security deposit via wire. We're going to send you electronic lease documents to sign. You're going to sign it electronically, you know, from wherever you are. And you do a lockbox move-in. Right. So they, they just go straight to the home, give them access through a lockbox. They access the home through the lockbox. You get somebody, somebody there after that to, to do a, a walkthrough orientation with them. They pick up the sign of the lockbox right then and there. They're paying rent online. And the same holds true on the move out. They don't have to come to the office. They can do a lockbox, move out with us. And so we, we've been doing this for years. I highly recommend it. Uh, you could charge for it. You know, you can charge tenants a convenience fee to do this, or you could just do it out, out of your normal procedures. But everybody wins in that regard, sure. right? And, and so you're going to hear the, the, the haters say that, oh, you shouldn't do that because you don't get the opportunity to meet face-to-face with the tenants. Uh, you don't get the opportunity to... to you know, make them warm and fuzzy and like you and they want to buy homes from you and all this other stuff, I get it, great. Okay, you make points. However, uh, what you're doing is you're putting yourself at risk for, you know, having to be in contact with them, making them drive to the office, making your staff drive to the office. Also, you're at risk of potentially making yourself uh, ask or, excuse me, answer bad questions. Because in my opinion, if they're reviewing a lease agreement in front of you and they ask you a question, you're giving them legal advice. They're looking at a legal document. So if you ask a que- answer a question for them, that's not blatantly obvious. Like, how do you interpret this, this early termination clause in your agreement? How do, you, how do you think that really works? And then Tony's like, blah, 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 blah. They're going to come back and say, whether it's right wrong, or other, a year from now, Tony, that's not what you told me in our meeting. You specifically told me this, this, and this. And that could have been completely opposite of what's in writing but they're going to use it against you. And I've been in this scenario. So to answer, I mean, we're kind of going a long winded on topic there, but I think that's something everybody should accomplish because you, Tony, want that as a consumer. If you are going to rent a home for me, I think you would want that because good luck driving to my office at four o'clock in the afternoon, sucker, because you're not going to get there anytime soon. It's going to take you an hour in traffic and all to pick up a stupid key. And that's what baffles me. Uh, when people think that doing, you know, bringing them to your office to pick up keys is needed. Figure out a way to do a lockbox move-in and you're saving everybody time.
2: Yep. I want to touch on something that you said. So 20 years ago when we, when I first started doing this, the, the tenants or your residents, they really had no voice. So you either took really good care of them and nobody knew, or you, you abused them, didn't take care of them, and nobody really knew. And then the internet kind of came where they started doing reviews online and that kind of thing. So they started to have a voice and they started to become more and more important in a in the business philosophy and business practices of property management companies. I think we've actually experienced, I think we're past the tipping point now where your landlords are obviously important because they're your client. But if you can't convince your landlords that it's in their ultimate best interest to bend over backwards, to try to put together, not to change policies and do one offs for tenants, but you need to put into place best practices that wow your tenants. And, and if you can't find ways to really improve that user experience, they're gonna go somewhere that can. You know, you can order a pizza with an emoji now, and, and just, you know, you just type an emoji and text it and they send you a pizza. The, the tenant is a consumer. And just because they happen to live in one of your properties, they're no different than you and I. And they want that convenience. And so by figuring out a way to make it the most convenient as possible for your residents to do things, that's where the win is. I think that's the direction that, that we need to focus on is providing the best experience possible and, and then building the business case around being able to, to charge for that. I'm not talking about giving it away. I'm talking about providing the experience that they want and we're willing to pay for
1: what other cool experiences do you think that are going to be around the horizon? Um, you know, for example, I did a, a call today with uh, Point Central, and Mark Brandt was on that call. And and I'm basically making myself a guinea pig. So I'm putting a complete package of their technology inside one of the homes, and I'm living here. And so I've got the thermometer, I've got the front door camera, I've got, I'm sorry, thermostat, not thermometer. The thermostat going on, you don't know, talk too fast. Um <laughs> But I got all that stuff going on to be able to remote monitor things. And I'm basically, I'm doing myself as a guinea pig because if I understand that from a tenant's perspective and an owner's perspective and a business owner, property management company owner perspective, uh, we potentially can implement a lot of that technology. I think that's where things are going. So where I'm trying to make a point in all of babble is I think that what we're going to see is that technology is right there, cost-effective to where we as property management company and the landlords – they're going to be able to implement that smart home technology, right? Because it's getting to that point where it's cost-effective. The water monitors have been the number one thing. So when I say the water monitor, the little monitor that goes into the pan of the water heater, so if the water heater explodes and it starts to fill up the water, uh, the pan that's underneath it, that thing goes off and sends electronic alerts everywhere, right? That's what the owner's number one request is, if you believe it or not. They don't care about the thermostat. You know, they don't care about the, the doorbell camera they don't care about the you know the other stuff they're cool right the the locks on the front door where you get the, a the touch pad lock or you can open it from your phone or whatever all that's cool for the tenant, but the owners the owners of the home love that water monitor it's kind of fascinating, what you think
2: yeah now to go along that with that, one of the things that we've been investigating and we haven't rolled this out just because we haven't had an opportunity to yet, but one of the things we're looking at is they actually have internet or web-enabled sprinkler systems for people's yards and you know the the landlords are always nervous about having a dog in the, in the yard with the grass or um, you know who's going to pay to maintain the yard who's going to pay for the water and if you have an internet-enabled sprinkler system we can track all that we can track the usage we can track the water usage we can track when it's on we can track if the tenant has turned it off and you know a lot of security deposits go towards paying for, for
1: yard work. Yeah, I got, I, got something even, I got something even cooler for you. Um, so I've got a buddy in the pool business, and he builds pools up in Austin. And he told me one day that there is now technology, this is kind of brand new, maybe it's old, I don't know, but it's just new to him, where pool monitoring is a thing. So there's technology that monitors the chlorine levels, monitors the pool level as far as up, down, other, uh, and then when it gets to a certain setting and you can make that setting whatever you want to a certain chlorine level or a certain you know, level of the pool, bells and whistles go off and a service call is ordered, right? And so what are we doing right now? If you have, have assistance where you'll take on homes that have pools, what are you doing right now? You're contracting with a pool company to go there every two weeks or every week and do a bunch of samples and all this other sort of junk. This technology is eliminating that to where instead of having to monitor and, and check a pool every weeks, it might be every three weeks, or it might be every 13 days instead of every week on seven days. So that's going to change the way people have pools with primary residences and of course rental properties, because it's going to streamline that pool service. And it's something that the PMs can actually do. Like think okay. of that, instead of, instead of having a pool service that we contract with, a property management company could actually start servicing the pools through this technology. So it, it creates another work order to where you send out a maintenance person, they service the pool with all the different guidelines, they might fill it up, they might add chlorine, they might skim it or whatever. And then they they uh, charge it just like a regular maintenance call. I mean, how exciting is that kind of stuff?
2: Well, that's what I was just going to touch on is that it, it creates an opportunity for another profit center or increased profits. And it, and it's a service you're providing to both the landlord and the tenant. The landlord is getting Im- improved service because you're taking better care of their equipment, their pool, and the tenant is getting better service because you're actually maintaining the, the, uh, the chlorine and the pH or whatever, the swimming pool. And so, both of them get a benefit. You can spin it and there's nothing that says you can't make a profit off of two people at the same time. So, That's you right. can charge it towards the landlord and you can charge it towards the tenant. And they both get a benefit. You're providing additional service, additional value. And so, I'm not a fan of ticky-tack fees that are just meaningless. But I do like providing additional service and additional value and earning a fee for that.
1: Yeah. It's, a, it's the Mark Cuban thing, right? And Shark Tank, solve a problem. Yep. If you solve a problem, provide a good service, things will fall in your lap. That's, that's really what I love by that pool thing. And I don't know anything about it. I don't know any details about it. He told me about it conceptually via phone. I thought, man, that, was, that made so much sense. I can't wait to see that more because I, I think that has some lags in the management industry because I don't know what you guys manage for pools there in Denver, but I would say, you know, a good percentage of our homes that we manage have pools. You know, let, let's call it 10% for fun. Well, that could be 90 some pools. I mean, imagine getting everybody on a contract to service their pool. That's a whole nother employee. You're creating jobs. You right. see, so that's, that's a huge opportunity, just to stem out of technology. Okay, we spent a lot of time on that. I do want to talk about Something that's very near and dear to your heart. I'm trying to catch up to you. Is the PM health, right? So, as, as part of what we recommend to everybody that's in the PM world, no matter what role you have, uh, we want you to be healthy. We want you to get into a system to where you're exercising, you're eating right, you're taking care of yourself, uh, because it is a stressful business. Let's not let's not dance around this. Property management can be stressful and the best way, medically proven, is to ensure that you're getting enough exercise and you're eating right and you're getting enough sleep and you have magical haircuts like what you have right there with the Floby, the Floby haircut. <laughs> so you're a, big, you're a big PM health guy and you do all these fitness runs. I mean, spend a few minutes talking about kind of your thoughts on this.
2: So we already touched on the fact that I got sick in 2006 and um, during that time, I would have traded, you know, all the money I had to get my health back. So it's, it's one of those things you just can't buy. You have to kind of build it yourself. And, and so when they finally got me diagnosed, uh, they told me I needed some more exercise as part of the, the plan. And so in 2011, actually, I wound up, they, they told me I needed more exercise. So I'm like, I don't think that's it. But out of spite, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do it. So my, my very first technically run that I tracked was a six tenths of a mile walk around my park by my house. And that was it. That was, that was what I could do. And I did it the next day and I did it a little faster. And then one day I walked eight miles before work and I called the doctor and said, hey, do you, you think I could run? And the doctor said, well, how do you feel? I said, well, I feel, I feel pretty good. He's like, why would you change anything? And so that was the last time I talked to that doctor. I hung up and I ran five minutes and then I walked five minutes. And I ran four and walked four and all the way down to one minute. And that that kind of created this journey for me that I I started feeling better. And so the better I felt, the more I wanted to do it. And so I get I, I hesitate sometimes to post the stuff that I put up there about the, you know, the 50 mile runs or the hundred mile runs that I do. Or, you know, on, on I turned 50 on March 14th. So for my birthday, I ran 50 miles for 50 years, you know, and um, it was something I was proud of, but I don't want to post that to intimidate anybody. I want them to know my backstory. My very first thing was a six-tenths of a mile walk. And it's so important. This business will beat you down. You can spend day and night stressing over things. And so, um, you know, there's a few of us that are on that PM Health Group. It grows every day. I say a few, it's hundreds. Um, but we're all in there encouraging each other. You know, Brad and I have different diets that that we uh, adhere to. Uh, I think you're on the, um, what's called...
1: Yeah, we're doing the low-carb keto stuff, and I can talk a little bit about that, but I want yeah. you to go ahead.
2: Yeah, so, so Brad's on keto. Um, I'm mostly vegan. I do a little bit of cheese, a little bit of eggs, but we still encourage each other because we're both being healthy in our own ways, and so I would just encourage people to, to look into, you know, PM Health Group on Facebook. You will be encouraged. No matter what your level is, I'm more excited for somebody that does their first 5K than somebody that does their fifth marathon. Because we just want to see you start to get healthy. And once you start noticing those changes, it, it just becomes a habit. It, it's, it becomes motivating, and, it, and you're motivating yourself. It's not you trying to motivate somebody else or somebody else trying to motivate you. So I really, from the diet the exercise, sleep is, is huge when you're, when you're working out. Now, I know a lot of people say, I'm burning the candle at both ends. And you can do that for a short amount of time, but you have to get the proper amount of sleep. Sleep makes everything better.
1: Yeah, I totally agree on that. So a bit of a the backstory there is I went on to, in 2019, I went into the keto diet, just kind of a low-carb, Atkins, paleo type of a mix, and ended up losing, you know, 30-plus pounds, right? So it really kind of changed me. I had to get all new clothes. I mean, it just, that was a perfect transition for me because been, I've been always cross-fitting, I've always been running, I've always been very active, played baseball in college, just played men's league baseball until I was 40. So, I mean, I, I just couldn't find that diet. And once I found it, dude, just the weight just came off. And, you know, it just, it's been fantastic. So uh, the PM Health Group was a big part of that. The founders of that and some of the motivations I got and the people that were there to assist as a big part of that. And I want to offer that up to the folks in the PM community to ensure that you go to Facebook and join the PM Health Group. So the other side I want to talk about is the property manager mastermind marathon that we have booked. And so we're going to create a, a small group mastermind group that's going to go piggyback off of the Savannah, Georgia, hard uh should be a uh, rock and roll marathon and so that's going on november 7th knock on wood right let's, let's assume all this covid stuff calms down and we can actually travel again it's going to be a half marathon and or a marathon saturday november 7th in savannah and so the runners that hopefully you can attend i know you got other runs that you've already like bought into uh but we're hoping that we can get good attendance in that because our concept is we're going to have a mastermind session with you know, property management company, like-minded owners and operators, and, you know, staffers, whoever wants to go, we're going to match them on all day Friday. We've got formats, we've got speakers, we've got uh, all the good stuff going on to include all the good food. And then we run as a group on Saturday, we finish as a group on Saturday, we're not holding hands, okay, we're not running as a group. But what we're doing is we're going there as a group and we're running. uh, Because I I was motivated to do this because the last half marathon I ran, it kind of sucked because, you know, I went down, downtown San Antonio to run the rock and roll half marathon. I went there by myself. I ran by myself. I finished by myself. I drove home by myself. It was just kind of like anticlimactic because there was nobody there to share it with. Well, this is going to be a fantastic deal for us. I didn't mean to get on a tangent there to talk about that, but it all ties back into the PM health stuff that you and I are are so into. And so let's let's talk about finishing this up. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you've been doing with, some other guests and you've been out there now doing some podcasting and you've been doing some webinars and I want, you, I want to hear more about what that's going on because I think this is a long-term play for you to get more out there and put out great content. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, so uh, we've already touched on the fact that um, I really truly believe that when everything is sort of the, the status quo, it's really hard to overtake a market leader. But when, when there's change is introduced to the formula, it creates opportunity, and we saw an opportunity that there, there was a need for massive amounts of communication on what was going on, best practices in communication, uh, best practices with some of the federal stimulus pra- uh, package that was coming out, best practices with evictions and notices, and, and so we've just been putting out content. We've, we've been creating two-hour webinars, and we actually had to do, the first one we did we had to do an encore of that same one because we couldn't get enough people in the room. We now have room for 500 people. Um, and depending on the webinar, sometimes it's full, sometimes we have you know, 250 or whatever that watch it live, and then they stay up. But the nice thing about it is, we're getting a ton of industry leaders that watch it and then comment back to us or send emails to us wanting to collaborate. So it's just creating this massive this wealth of knowledge to be able to impact the industry. And so we're just really excited that we're able to share what we know. And and Brad, you know, from doing this podcast now and from doing the property management mastermind group, the more you give back, the more you you, you just can't out give, the more you try to lead and teach, the more you're given. And um, and so I just feel really blessed about the the amount of help and assistance and knowledge, people wanting to be a part of what we're doing. I truly believe that people long to be a part of something great. And they're looking for good, great great leaders that will help them accomplish what they want to accomplish. And so we've been doing that. Um, we've uh, dubbed it the Home Vault Academy. And um, so that, if you're interested, you know, you'll, you'll be seeing more information from the Home Vault Academy coming out here real soon.
1: Tony, I really appreciate everything you're doing. Let's wrap this up. Say goodbye to everybody and, and appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, look forward to great things from the Home Vault Academy. and look forward to seeing you at the Mastermind Marathon. Appreciate you coming on.
2: Absolutely, Brad. Thanks for your time, buddy. As more
0: tenant-friendly legislations are passed, from reduced security deposits to no evictions in the winter months, and everything in between, in the future, the landlord's income will be ultimately affected, and even being driven out of their rental business. Property managers and landlords need to make sure their voices are heard to help reduce the tide of these increasing laws that will ultimately make owning a rental property more difficult and costly. Let your landlords know about Shorevestor's Landlord Protection Insurance to help them protect their rental income. Call us at 800-975-0562 or visit shorevester.com to learn more about ShoreVester and how it can help you protect your landlord's income and grow your business. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.